RAC's post-op podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. Today, the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons comprises more than 9,000 fellows, trainees, international medical graduates and staff. With so many people working and learning across various fields and different regions, a program was recently established to help streamline processes and deliver more reliable member data. The initiative is called One College Transformation, a huge task which aims to reform organisational structure and capabilities, governance and communication channels. Instrumental to its establishment is Dr Richard Perry, a colorectal surgeon and until recently RAC's Vice President. Dr Perry explains the background of the One College Transformation Program to Chris Ashmore. The Royal Australasian College of Surgeons has capabilities across a wide range of activities, education, training, research, professional standards, advocacy, global surgery, philanthropy, and it's working with some sort of nine or 10,000 people between our 7,000 fellows, our trainees, our IMGs and our staff. So it's quite a complex organisation. IT especially has changed a lot over the past decade or so. And it became very clear that trying to address the capabilities of the college to provide the best possible services and outcomes for our fellows, our members, needed a rethink in order to bring it into the modern era and to be able to leverage the capabilities of IT and so on that are there. And so this was really a very major transformative concept that meant addressing the governance structures, the management structures, and the support infrastructure, if you like, the entire architecture of the college from the ground up so that we could improve the links we had with our fellows. And I think it'd be fair to say that as technology had progressed, we kind of put patch on patch on patch. And it was reaching a point where we couldn't patch any longer and really needed to rebuild from the beginning. So the One College Transformation began out of that. It was perhaps appropriately initially called Project Sonic after Sonic Hedgehog. And many people thought that was the game, the Sonic Hedgehog, but in fact it was a term coined by Ty House, who was the leader of the One College Transformation Project. He was aware that Sonic Hedgehog is in fact a gene, a gene that produces a protein that's very important for development of all animal species, from insects through to primates. And it's responsible primarily for the development of the brain and the organs and particularly the digits. And I think Ty felt that was a very appropriate descriptor for what has become the One College Transformation because we really began by looking at the brain, looking at the capabilities that we needed and developing processes from that standpoint. What does the program comprise of? It's got several arms to it. It began with a full analysis, an in-depth analysis of the college's capabilities and what it currently does, what its current IT infrastructure is, and worked from that to engage with the governance structures of the college, which in the end became part of the entire project. So it's not just IT, it's the whole structure, the management, the governance of the college as well. So once we've begun with an understanding of how the current architecture is structured, what the capabilities of the current system were, and then what the strategic vision of the college was, we then started trying to put the whole lot together. And that meant engaging with the new governance committee that was established 
under the chair of the vice president to look at the college's governance structures in depth. And it meant looking at the IT systems and how they were being utilised by the staff and by the fellows. To do that, we needed pretty broad input. So there was a very consultative process initially, an extensive consultation with staff, with volunteers on the global health area, with fellows, with trainees, and, and also with junior doctors, those people who weren't yet part of the college but had aspirations to being there or who were using college as education resources. That took a lot of time. It took a lot of people involved in that. We commissioned some external help. We used some brand communication assistance from Push Agency in order to develop the narrative from the information that we received in that consultation and put it together into uh, a communication strategy to make sure that our members, all of those engaged, really all the stakeholders, had an input and could have an ongoing ownership, if you like, of the changes that were going to need to be made. We put the process together into a number of different transformation teams. So there's the information technology, obviously, but very importantly, the people and culture. The people and culture has been an important aspect of the college for some years now. And it became clear that establishing the culture, a good culture within the college, a respectful culture, where people felt free to speak up, to contribute to changes, to development, and so on, was a very important aspect of the one college transformation. And then, of course, the governance stream through the governance committee. Mm. Now, how do members benefit from the program? This is obviously the question that we asked them to begin with. <laughs> what do you expect from this project? What do you expect from your college? And in the end, the primary thing is better support across the breadth of the professional lives that our members have. So if we start, if you like, at the entry level for the junior doctors, it's better, easier access to educational resources, a better understanding of what it takes to become a surgeon. For trainees, it's better access again to learning resources, better structuring for their training programs, a collaboration with the different training boards. Of course, the training boards are often run by the specialty societies, which are separate organisations from the college. So one of those expectations is that we, as a college, improve the relationship with the specialty societies, improve the flow of data and information between the organisations so that we make the lives of our trainees easier and support them more effectively in their learning, in their development, and in their examination and qualifications. And then finally, at the other end, the fellows have a diversity of needs from those who are involved in global surgery, for example, and providing volunteer services in low- and middle-income countries, either teaching or, or providing service, through to people in their everyday practice needing resources for education, for training, for personal development, or simply needing advice. So there's a very wide range of activities that the college can provide that will help support its members. And technology is important with implementing this, isn't it? Yeah, technology has become fundamental to that. And I think the recent COVID crisis has just highlighted that. Fortunately, having begun on that journey of the One College Transformation, we already had some of the infrastructure needed to allow the college to keep functioning during the COVID shutdowns. Had we been hit by this maybe three years ago, we would have struggled considerably to have got things up to speed. But because we had already replaced some of our hardware infrastructure, some of our software, and had a vision for where things were going, we were able to accelerate some of those projects as soon as COVID hit us and 
reprioritize what we already had in, in train so that we come in line faster. So yeah, IT is fundamental. It's important for communication, conferencing, audiovisual, online learning, examinations, data repositories. There's not one area of the college which is not touched by information technology. Now, one of the focuses, of course, is governance of RACs. Can you tell me a bit more about that? RACs, is, in ultimate terms, is governed by its council of elected fellows. And that has traditionally operated in a almost more of a management sense in that the original college was run by a secretariat. And the secretariat did the hands-on management of the college and dealt with the daily needs of the fellows. Over the past decade or so, we've moved into more of a corporate governance model. Not strictly the same as it would be applied in the commercial corporate governance world because we're a membership organisation and we have a very large board compared with a, a normal corporate board, which might be only five or six people. So our large council has needed to evolve more into the corporate way of functioning where it's setting strategy and vision rather than doing hands-on day-to-day operations and those day-to-day hands-on operations have been transferred now to the CEO and the management team. But we have members, 7,000 of them, who all have a need to have input into the direction and decision-making of the college. And while in a corporate sense that decision-making would fall entirely on the board, within a membership organisation, a lot of the decision-making gets devolved out to the members. And we found that we had more than 100 committees making governance-type decisions that affected the rest of the college. It had budgetary implications, it had policy implications. And because those committees had grown up with more of a management and hands-on approach, it became necessary for us to just have a look at that structure to see how we could improve the communication between the committees. They were typically having to report up the line, sometimes through three or four or five committees in a chain to reach the council. Very inefficient, very cumbersome, very slow. And we needed to look at how to streamline the decision-making, restructure the governance so that fellows felt just as empowered as they have in the past, if not more empowered to make decisions and to contribute to the operations and the governance of the college, but without it creating a cumbersome chain of command. So we've had to relook at the governance. That's going to be a multi-year project. We've only really just embarked on it now, where we look at every one of the committees that's involved in any decision-making or any operational part of the college, essentially determine whether they are operational, in which case they're not a governance committee, whether they do have strategic decision-making responsibilities, in which case they need to be better connected through a faster chain of command to the council. Well, you have fellows and trainees across a wide range of geographical areas and with different backgrounds across both sides of the Tasman. What role does the program play with different cultures? In the broad sense, culture is fundamental to everything. And culture covers a broad range of things. And when people think of culture, I guess typically think of ethnic type culture. But as we would apply culture, it applies to ethnic diversity, thought diversity, national diversity, gender diversity, and so on. So the cultural approach is fundamental. I think if you go to the very core of RECS, it's a binational organization. It tends to be by virtue of population and national headquarter location. It has a tendency to be Australian-centric. The New Zealand voice is very effective, and as you can tell from my accent, I'm a New Zealander. 
So New Zealand gets its representation through the council and through activities on the various committees that New Zealanders contribute to on an absolute equal footing with Australians. But we're working also on culture and representation in other areas as well. And I guess our strongest push in that has been in the area of gender diversity and in the area of Indigenous health. We have a a strong drive to improve the voice of surgeons who are women and a strong drive to improve the equity of healthcare, both in terms of delivery and in terms of provision from various Indigenous groups, particularly in Australia, Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islanders and in New Zealand, the Maori. We work also with Pacific Islanders and other subgroups. We've put a lot of energy. We've created a pillar of the college's Indigenous health and equity, culture and diversity. Now, how do you think the changes the One College Transformation Program is bringing about will impact your members? I hope that it will be true to the title, really, the One College Transformation. What's intended by that title is that there is a seamless service to our members across the diversity of college activities and people. So what I hope that it will provide them is an easier portal of entry into the college, a greater feeling of membership and engagement with what is their fellowship organisation and should be their home. Better collaboration and communication across the diverse groups of surgeons who who are represented by their different specialty societies. We naturally tend to congregate around the specialty of our practice. But there are also other groupings of surgeons based geographically, based ethnically, based on special interests. Some surgeons are involved, for example, in medical legal activities. Others are involved more in delivery of rural healthcare versus metropolitan healthcare. And we need to meet the needs of each of those groups as seamlessly as we can and facilitate communication between them and between those groups and the 250-odd staff at the college and its various offices who provide the support services for them. And I think part of the important message, if you like, one of the key cultural changes we're seeking here is that transition from a power and command structure where the surgeons have their minions doing the work for them and uh, writing letters to a more egalitarian structure within the college where groups of people come together with a common purpose. For example, a group coming together to develop a training program for preparation into surgical training would involve, instead of being directed and controlled entirely by surgeons, It would be a collaborative effort that would involve surgeons, but also expert educators, people expert at communication, management, IT. And that group comes together on an equal footing instead of being a group that comes together as surgeons who say, right, we're going to do this and we want you to do that for us. The group works collaboratively to produce the outcome that's needed. If you like, it can be called leverage. Surgeons are good at surgery, but they're not necessarily good at education, and they're often very poor at IT. But if you bring the experts and all of those things into a room together, then you you have the opportunity to leverage off everybody's specific expertise and you get the best outcome. I think that's a structure that we are trying to encourage to develop more. It has been evolving over the past few years within the college structure, and it's clearly been powerful and it's worked well. But it sometimes requires a different approach, a different mindset from everybody involved. Absolutely. 
Now, final question, Richard. We've all been impacted or been affected by COVID-19 at varying degrees. How has the pandemic impacted the transformation program? I think they've been pretty stunning in what the program team's been able to achieve, given how suddenly the program was disrupted. A number of quite important projects had to be postponed, but the team got together because they're very adept with technology and were pretty accustomed to working by remote and getting together on Zoom. And they found some pretty innovative ways of progressing the program. The strong digital footprint that we'd already established was useful. They've been able to look at better conferencing facilities. We've greatly improved already the teleconferencing facilities that were, I think, frustrating a lot of us before the COVID shutdown. Very rapidly, we've accelerated the quality of those services. In fact, recently, the entire council meeting was held on a Zoom teleconference. That would be a very challenging thing for us to have done even 12 months ago, to get 28-odd councillors and the management team together on Zoom working effectively was a real challenge. So people have had to learn new processes. I think one college transformation team has been able to help with that education and training, bringing new software, new IT into the party. We had just invoked diligent boards for our board papers. I think that's made a big difference to the ability of the council to disseminate information securely and communicate with each other. So yes, I think the One College transformation has been a godsend at this time. Without it, we would have been struggling a lot more than we are now. Dr. Richard Perry. RAC's Postop Podcast is brought to you with the compliments of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons and leading financial services organisation, the Bongiorno National Network, the preferred choice for medical professionals across Australia. You can reach the Bongiorno National Network on plus 613 9863 3111.